Uh, we, are, we are very nearly uh, done with our, our sermon series on the Ten Commandments. And it's taken a while, uh, as you would expect. And next week is our, our last Sunday with it, where we do the Ninth and the Tenth Commandment together, because this is also how in the catechism it's handled. Um, and then we'll be moving on to a sermon series on discipleship, uh, going back to our loved and living concepts and our identity found in Christ. But I would like to put forward to you, as I have already said to you several times, of just the difficulty in preaching some of these sermons. And some of it, I, I must confess, has always been worried about what it is that people may think that I am saying about the outside world. But do not be confused in thinking. Because certainly the outside world, the world beyond the church and beyond our faith, behaves exactly how you would expect it to behave. You would expect it to be a place where words are used very freely, where we take it so easy to describe one another in ways that are not charitable or kind or any of the things that we have said thus far. My concern as a pastor, and Pastor Marcus's concern as a pastor, is not just the world out there, but first and foremost is the people of our faith, the people of this church, and the people in our lives. And that is, actually, one of the more difficult parts of this. is because every part of the Ten Commandments, every commandment that we have spoken about thus far, speaks into every part of our life. And if you are one of the Gold Star students that have been here every week, you've learned this. And for the Gold Star students that listen on our podcast when they're not here, which you can find at our website, hint. So as we move forward... Let us first ask, when it comes to our words, let's think about ourselves and the words that we use. A description of words, which comes to us out of Proverbs 18, describes the power of the tongue, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Eugene Peterson, when he is going through and writing his uh, The Message book, and he decides to take it and, and use these words. Words kill and words give life. And we automatically jump to the words that have been spoken to us. If I were to ask you right now, what are words that were spoken to you that were the most beautiful and impactful and gave you the best feeling in life, hopefully you have them in mind right now. But maybe it's easier for you to call back the words that have been the most hurtful and the most harmful. The words that have torn and ripped at your reputation, if not at your confidence. Words are powerful. Words kill. Words give life. The other day I was listening to a, uh, an interview of Yo-Yo Ma, the, the famous cellist. And Yo-Yo Ma was playing this beautiful suite of Bach. And as he finished, the interviewer came and sat next to him. And she said, I, um, that is so beautiful. I almost feel embarrassed interrupting it with words. And Yo-Yo Ma responded, oh, no, 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 no. Words are perfect. Maybe if we took that stance and that understanding, we could 
be able to see how in this commandment we are commanded to be a little bit more careful and conscious of words. Because certainly words can be perfect. After all, it is in words that brought us and this world about. It is in words where life has first come to us. It is in the words spoken over us in our baptism where faith comes into this life and where there was death, suddenly life now exists. It is in words that God has granted us and given us such grace to carry us forward. It is in words that we hear from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's in words that we hear the good message of Christ coming into this world by the angels proclaiming peace to you. It's in words that we first hear about the true story of the resurrection as Christ stands before and says peace in the garden. It's also in words that the moments in our life have been entrenched. The words when you stand at the altar and share these vows with another person. It's in words where we take someone that we have loved and we lay them in the ground and we dedicate them to the care of Christ until the day that they are able to stand again. Which they are able to stand again when they are called from the grave by what? Words. So these words are good and they are perfect and they come to us and the first source of words that we have in our life are from God. So some of the best words that have ever been spoken to you, the best words that have ever been uttered in your presence are the words that have called you into faith as you were knelt or handed over or laid over the water and splashed over you and said, Your name united to the name of God forever. So if this is the case, if this is how we handle words, how is it that we so often, after we speak, wish to reel words back in? And after we have said them and released them out into the air, that we know almost instantaneously that we should never have said them in the first place. Is this just an experience of my own? That oftentimes when we describe our speech and our words, that we use our poetry, we use our statements, we use the formation of all these things, and we oftentimes use them to hurt, to harm, to deter, to tear down the reputation of our neighbor. So many other faiths and so many other religions, people concern themselves with the way that they handle themselves. Whether they are able to be perfect on the inside and find peace on their own. But here, when it comes to Christ and when it comes to our God, He is often concerned about how we handle our neighbor. Because the instruments that we have are strong no matter how old or how young we can be, 
no matter how wise or still learning we are. The power and the instruments that we have just in us as people is strong. If you can think of the person that you have spoken this way about and you ask them if you've ever used an instrument or a weapon against them, they will probably say yes. James describes the weapon that we have as our tongue. And in James chapter 3, he describes it as something that is so weak and simple, but it is able to set blaze and fire to all the forests around us. That our tongue itself, though it is one of the smallest parts of our body, can be something that can wield power to kill. Paul describes the same when it is in the description of Romans. That the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great it can move and kill. So here, with our body. As Paul describes, there are parts of our body that are the most dishonorable part that we oftentimes give the greatest honor to. And that is our tongue. But the Eighth Commandment describes that we should sheath our sword. That we should do what we can to cover it that we should be ones who are able to put such weapons away. And can you imagine what that actually means is to clam it up? And if you are not speaking, what are you doing? You're listening. You're listening. How incredible is this? That the commandment that comes to us is to put us into the position of first not to speak, but to enter people's lives listening and responding, as Martin Luther says it, in the kindest way possible. I wish I could tell you that I was a great practitioner of this. I wish I could tell you and give you all of the hidden ways to be able to do that, to, to close the mouth and to first let others speak, but honestly, you know me well. <laughs> and there's no reason lying from the front. This is a difficult task that we are called to. It is just as difficult as the task that comes to us in the Sixth and the Seventh Commandments. And as we've already discovered, especially in our time, the commandments to honor those who are above us, those who have come before us. The commandment to build the best construction for our neighbor to look upon our enemy with kindness and to speak to them in fragile and delicate ways. As I've already said, our expectation is that the world behave as it should. And the world certainly gives us all understanding of what that is. Where our description in speaking is first to put people on the defensive. That if I have a problem with somebody, I confront them with the full power and might of everything that I can say. Because that is the fastest and the easiest way to get what I want. But in the commandments, it's not about what we want. 
It's not about things being given to us for our own sake. But it is for the benefit of our God and for our neighbor and then for ourselves that we speak in this kindest way. Because it is then, as the prayer book says, in that peace, people are actually able to hear and learn of the true peace that comes in Christ Jesus. Our first tool, the first thing that is given to us to defeat these wild and untamed words, mouths, and tongues of ours is to recognize who is it that has redeemed these mouths, words, and tongues of ours. First and foremost, these bodies of ours, this body of mine and the body of yours, is one that has been won over to God by Jesus Christ. That it is for all the members of your body, the parts of your body covered in the Sixth Commandment, the Seventh Commandment, and the Eighth Commandment, have all been redeemed and counted by God. And it is then, then can we begin to understand the ways in which we speak. For not only have the bodies been redeemed by God, but our whole person. So what comes from the heart should be the things of salvation, should be the things of redemption, should be the things that give glory to God in the fullest. They should be the words that repeat the magnificence of the peace and joy that describes Christ coming to the world. It should be the peace and the joy that is described in the proclamation of the resurrection of our God. It should be the joy that wells up in the heart who knows the name that is bearing it has been connected to Christ. All of this has been done for us. All of this has been spoken to us, given to us. Words have been used to proclaim it to you. And every time those words are spoken, they remind us of the redemption that we have received. This is our first step. This is our first place that we begin is only in the redemption and salvation that has come to us. And it is there that we remember this part of our body, somewhat the most dishonorable part, is also redeemed by Christ. So we do not set fires in the forests around us that harm and that kill, but rather we use our words to set fires of the Spirit, to set fires of truth. And this can only be done with the words of God. I would like to point out to you that there are a few instances that come to us in Scripture. A few instances of, uh, to us where maybe people were facing some of the hardest parts of life around. We know that it is easy, as Scripture says, that when your enemy is kind to you, that you are kind back. We know it is easy when even your friends are nice to you and you are nice to your friends. They invite you for a buffet, you provide a buffet later, right? Also, that's a hint. But 
In Scripture, we also see times and places where the obedience of those who come before us have shown themselves to bear fruit for the people of God. David was someone who, starting off, and we're talking pre-Bathsheba days, with a little bit more innocence and with a heart looking for God. He became, because he saw his calling by God to be obedient to those that are over him. And he served after King Saul. Sooner or later, as Saul loses his favor by God, it rests upon David. David, not having ever spoken a word against those above him, finds himself on the lamp, running and hiding, fearing for his life. But what is so often overlooked is all this time that he was running and fearing, he never spoke against the king. The very person who was seeking to kill him. The very person who was wanting his life to be taken. The very person who had not only seeking to take his life, but had ruined his reputation in the place of Israel. How many times have we come across people who have used their words in such ways that it, it hurts and it goes against the Eighth Commandment and it has killed you on the inside? Let us use the power of God that has come to us in this salvation to never return that, to tame our tongues and to seek peace with our enemies. To where even in that obedience eventually we are able to see the will of God being worked out. St. Paul was someone who never really held back words, at least as far as we could tell. There are times where his words can be rather stinging and, and they can speak the truth in the way that the apostles should speak the truth. But there's a little episode that appears to us in the book of Acts where Paul finds himself in a world that is much like ours, a world that chases after its many different gods, and in fact spends time to build great stadiums and great uh, statues or TV networks to their different gods. And as Paul enters into the, the city of Athens, he goes up to this place called Mars Hill, a place where all the new ideas are always spoken of first and people get to be on the cutting edge. They change the way they look about themselves to be up in the front. They change their speech. They change their beliefs in order to fit with the best thing that the world can come up with at that time. Now certainly the anger and the righteousness within us wells up as it must have done with Paul himself as he approached in there. But as he goes into this place full of this blaspheme and paganism, and we're ready for him to rip-roar into people with the word of God, do you know what he begins to say? People of Athens, I see you're very religious. Let me tell you about the new religion. Let me tell you about the God you have yet known. Put everything in the kindest way. 
speak our faith in the most reasonable and understanding way that we can. Become like a child to a child and an adult to an adult. And to those who we want to face with words of anger, we face them with the words of gospel and kindness. We are called to be Paul in this world. We are called to submit and be obedient as King David. We are called to be alongside the suffering servant. Lay aside your pride. Lay aside all those things that have died in baptism and take on the new life that has been given to you. And let that new life be the words that you speak to others. For the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing to the division of bone and marrow, spirit and soul, discerning the heart and the mind. And it is with that word of God It is with your words that you share that new life can begin in others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.